there in verse 11, Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. And uh, we'll finish that, go to verse 18 tonight, and then next week we'll begin in the book of Ephesians. And so uh, I encourage you to go ahead and get started uh, in that book. That way as you, uh, we get to it, you'll already be prepared and ready uh, and know some about that before we get there. But Galatians chapter 6, uh, as we begin there in verse 11 here in just a couple of moments, as we was talking a little bit about last week uh, in uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verses uh, 1 to 10, uh, we can see how... The Apostle Paul, as he was talking with the folks about, uh, about restoration, restoration of a brother in Christ, and, uh, and then went on to a number of other different things as far as really investing uh, in uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, investing in your preacher and other different things. Uh, but even uh, kind of even going back a little further than that, even in Galatians chapter 5, we can see that, uh, that it all really began uh, uh, the Lord investing in us uh, there with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and as the Lord invested in us, uh, given us the ability and the power and the strength, equipping us uh, to be able to walk in the Spirit and to, to, to uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We see that whenever we're walking in the Spirit, that we are receiving something from the Lord. Uh, whenever we were, uh, the works of the flesh was us giving out of our own selves, but the, the uh, walking in the Spirit was us receiving something from the Lord. And so the Lord was giving us the strength and the power and everything that we needed uh, to be able to walk in the Spirit uh, because the Lord Jesus even said himself, without me you can do nothing. Uh, and then when we get into verse, uh, when we get into chapter 6, we can see that as the Lord has invested in us, uh, what we see is in, uh, in chapter 6, even there in verse 1, and talking about the restoration of the brother, he says those that are spiritual to do that. And so we take that which God has given us, and then we in turn invest that into someone else, which is our brothers and sisters in Christ, one who has fallen, one who is weak, one who is having a hard time. Uh, and so those that are spiritual will be the ones who will help to restore that brother and sisters in Christ. Now, they can't do that on their own. Uh, they can't do that walking in the flesh. They can't do that uh, not, not walking with God. Uh, so what they do is, is they take what the Lord has given them, uh, the strength and the ability and all these things, to be able to walk in the Spirit, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in life, and they then invest that in their own people uh, to help them to, uh, uh, to come up out of this uh, fault or this sin, whatever it is that they may be in, this falling that they have uh, taken part in. Uh, and so as we see that we invest in that, not only that, uh, but we also see, he says, listen, when you get down to verse 6, he says, listen, while we are investing in our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have uh, maybe fallen to the wayside or have gotten into sin or whatever it could be, as we're helping them, he says, listen, just let me tell you too, uh, make sure that you don't forget about those who are teaching you uh, and admonishing you in the Word of God. Make sure, you, hey, listen, God's going to invest in us, let's take what He's invested in us and let's invest in our own people, let's help them to, let's help them to be better. Uh, and he says, and also, listen, make sure you are invested in those that are teaching you the Word of God. Now, listen, whether that's a pastor or whether it's an evangelist or whether it's missions back there, we have uh, faith promise, we support our missions, uh, and so we invest in them, and we uh, invest in missionaries, we invest in preachers whenever they come, we take up love offerings and those types of things. We do what we can to invest uh, into the ministry of the Lord, to the ministries that God has called people into uh, because the Bible says for us to lay up treasures in heaven, right? And so that's what we want to do. We want to lay up those treasures. So we take what God's given us, we invest it back to help grow the kingdom of God, help people when they have fallen, invest in your preacher, invest in your evangelist, invest in your, uh, in your ministries, invest in your missionaries, all these things. Because he tells us there in, verses eight, uh, in verse 8, uh, he says, uh, Listen, uh, he that uh, soweth to his flesh reaps to his flesh. He that sows to his spirit reaps in the spirit. So you want to make sure that you sow 
into that which is eternal. Not something that is just temporary, but so into something that's eternal. So into something that's, that's worth sowing into. Amen? So into something that's worth sowing into. Something that you're going to receive eternal dividends and eternal rewards. Things that you can't even possibly even imagine uh, that you're going to receive later on. So sow inside the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God. And then when it gets down to verse 10, uh, of course he says, As we have therefore opportunity, uh, let us do good unto all men. So not only are we going to take what God's given us there in Galatians 5, uh, the strength and the ability to uh, produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life, we're going to invest it in others, our fallen brothers and sisters in Christ, and of course others as well, uh, and also in those that are teaching uh, the Word of God, uh, and also the world itself. This want to invest in the world. We want to uh, listen, do what we can to show the world that the Lord Jesus loves them. Uh, we invest in all different kinds of things. We invest in gospel tracts. We invest in CDs for the ministries that we have here. We invest in a number of different things. Vacation Bibles. We do all these different things not just so we can just have a good time at church but because we want to tell people about Jesus. We want to invite people in. Tell them about Jesus. We want to go out those doors and tell people about Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. We want to invest into the world as well, that way for the sole purpose of teaching them about who Jesus is so that they can be saved. And then, of course, there in the latter part of verse 10, not only do we invest in the world, but he says also those who are of the household of faith, uh, which is, of course, all of us. And so when we get down to verse 11, as we close out the chapter of Galatians chapter 6, as we close this out, he says, You see how large a letter... I have written unto you with mine own hand. Now, there's several different reasons why it could be possible that he said that. One, it could be that he said that because of all the injuries that he faced in, uh, in his, uh, in his uh, persecution that he faced as he was an apostle, as he was going around and telling people about the Lord and uh, the different uh, injuries that he had, uh, that he had uh, taken upon his own body, uh, being stoned uh, several times and uh, being uh, beat with uh, 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 rods and whips and all those things. And I mean, the Apostle Paul had tons of things that happened to him that scarred him and, and, and perhaps probably marred him in his life at one time even dying and, and, and coming back. I mean, all these different things that happened to him in his, in his Christian life. And you can only imagine a man that's been uh, uh, whipped uh, three times, a man that's been stoned several times, uh, even at the point of uh, the point of death, you can imagine probably the scars and the bruises and uh, uh, the cuts and all these different things that he possessed uh, in his body, probably p- perhaps in his face and and all these other things as well. Uh, and so he was a man that was marked up. He was a man that uh, I believe probably had a lot of scars that he bore in his own body. And perhaps he said that in verse eleven because maybe some uh, some injuries that he suffered in his eyes. You know, could be something like that. It could be that thorn in the flesh. Maybe he was talking about. We don't know what it was. But this could be a possibility. Now, it could be there also so because we see in Thessalonians where we see that whenever the, uh, uh, when Paul was writing letters to the people, uh, that uh, people would come in, they were writing false letters. You know, Paul would write a letter to the Thessalonians or some of these other churches, and then somebody, just for the purpose of deceiving people and leading people astray, would make up, uh, would make up letters and sign it as if uh, like it was from the signature of Paul and send them out and deceive the people. Paul mentioned that there in that book. Uh, and so we can see that maybe that's the reason why he said this here in verse 11. You see how large a letter I've written you. Maybe perhaps that referred to the words that he was written. Maybe perhaps it referred to just the long letter of the book of Galatians that he had written out. Could be that as well. Uh, But he says, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. He says, I've done this myself. He said this, uh, even if, uh, even this last chapter, if this is, uh, I'm I'm letting you know that that I have written this, this right here with my own hand. 
this is the Apostle Paul that is speaking. And he says there in verse 12, he says, there's one thing I want you to know. I find it interesting. Of course, the whole book of Galatians is extremely, extraordinary interesting. But we see in this, especially this last part, as he, as he closes out. Uh, he wants to, I guess, kind of give that, <laughs> kind of give that, uh, that one more shot out to those people that he's uh, doing everything he can to tell them about uh, about the truth of God, how much the Lord loves them, and what they need to understand about the law and what they need to understand about grace. And so he gives them this one last final shot there in the arm, and he says there in verse twelve, he says, "As many as desire to make, uh, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you." to be circumcised only uh, at least they should suffer persecution uh, for, the call, for, the, for the cross of Christ. He says this, let me tell you what, he, said, he closes out with this, I mean what a, uh, what, a, what a bang, I mean he goes out with a bang and he says let me tell you the reason why those, uh, uh, those uh, Judaizers over there preach to you like they do. He says let me tell you the reason why those false teachers and those Judaizers, let me tell you the reason why those folks over there uh, preach to you that you need to be circumcised in order to go to heaven. He says I I'll tell you one reason why. He says, one of the reasons why is this. And he listed it right there in verse 12. He said, one of the reasons why, he says, least they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They won't tell you the truth because they know it's not popular right now. Wow. They won't tell you the truth because they know it may damage them. They know it may damage their popularity. They, may, they know it may go against the status quo of everybody out there today. It's not the most popular thing to say. It's not the most popular thing to teach because, you know, everybody around, most of the, uh, the people around those Judaizers that were there, you know, they accepted the law and they accepted you had to be circumcised in order to go. They accepted all that stuff. And so if these guys right here started preaching uh, uh, Christ crucified and the resurrection and giving out the gospel that, and that you don't need to uh, get circumcised get if they started preaching that, man, they wouldn't be uh, as, uh, as popular as they would have been before. Man, I think we can kind of see right here some of the, uh, some of the very starts of, um, uh, of, this, uh, of uh, uh, folks um, of, uh, trying to uh, compromise and water down the, uh, the gospel in essence or try to keep people away from the gospel as much as possible because they were looking after their own selves first. They were looking after their own, uh, their own personalities. They were looking after their own pleasures perhaps. They were looking after uh, their, 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 their own pride. They were so prideful in their hearts that instead of telling somebody the truth, they would rather just, te- they would rather just tell somebody what they would want to hear and just watch them die and go to hell. I mean, man, how terrible is that? Uh, that because of your own selfish pride and that because of, uh, and the because, uh, because of your own popularity, because that's what you want to retain, because you don't want to make people mad or, or offend people by telling the truth, because that's what you want to stay away from, you'll just tell them what they want to hear, so they'll just, believe, uh, what, they'll just believe what you say, believe what is popular of the day, and then they end up uh, not knowing who Jesus is and they die lost. He says the reason why they're not telling you the truth is because they don't want to suffer the persecution of Christ. They don't want to suffer the persecution of the cross uh, of the cross of Christ. They're afraid of that. They don't want to, you know, let me tell you this. Now, I imagine the Apostle Paul, he could probably look at them and he could say, you know what? You talk about how you've been circumcised. You talk about the cutting of the flesh. You talk about how you've been circumcised. Well, let me tell you something. Your circumcision hides behind your garments. But look at me. Look what's happened to me. I've been, I've been, I have been uh, rocks thrown at me. I have been stoned. I've been beat. I've been whipped. I mean, this this man possessed scars in his body that I imagine everybody could see. Amen. I imagine that everybody could see. 
But they were so big on, uh, on, the, on the, the circumcision of the flesh and, and how you had to be circumcised to get to heaven. They were so big on that. But that was something that was hid from everybody else. Nobody could see that. But here the apostle Paul, man, he, he had been beaten and he had been whipped and he had been stoned and all these different things. That was something that everybody knew about. That was something that everybody could see. And these folks were so, these folks were, 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 were so afraid of preaching the gospel of Christ that they would rather just tell everybody what they wanted to hear. Just tell everybody the status quo. Just tell everybody, uh, just tell everybody the, uh, the, uh, that you can just do this to get to heaven. It's okay. Just tell everybody that you can just work really hard. Just, just do this right here and you, can make, and you can make it to heaven. Man, I tell you what, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that have probably perhaps believed that over the years and maybe not just the fact of circumcision, but just believe that it works salvation can save you uh, and, uh, and how terrible that that is that, uh, that, um, that the devil uh, and other folks, uh, false teachers, have just blinded the hearts and minds of men to believe they can get to heaven on their own good merits. Because you can't. You can only get to heaven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. But here we see the Apostle Paul himself going out of this chapter with a bang and really just points the finger right at him and says, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, they are compromising themselves. They are, comp- they are compromising the whole thing. He says, the reason why, they, he, says, he says, they constrain you to be circumcised. They are telling you, they are constraining you. They are, in essence, forcing you to be circumcised only least they should suffer the persecution for the cross of Christ. They're not willing to take that stand. They're not willing to be that, that, uh, that vocal voice. They're not, they're not willing to stand there and say, listen, this is how you get to heaven and this is what the truth is about this and this is what the truth is about that. Listen, let me tell you something. God didn't call me to be the most popular preacher in Lynchburg. God didn't call me to be the most popular preacher uh, in, in Campbell County or in Evington, Virginia. That's not what God called me to do. God called me to preach his word as it is to men as they are with as much of a loving spirit as I possibly can, empowered by the spirit of God, doing as much as I can to use my words seasoned with salt and grace and mercy and love and long suffering to a lost and dying world so they'll come to know Jesus. That's what God called me to do. And I don't seek to come out here to be men pleasers. I don't seek to, uh, I don't seek to come out here to, uh, to preach for money or to, or, to be, or to be pleasing to people. Listen, I just want to do what God called me to do. And I would dare say, man, I'd hate to ever think that I would ever get to the point in my life where I would see my popularity is, is far greater than people dying lost and going to a devil's hell. But that's what these people were doing. They had slid back into this place where even if some of them even knew the truth, they wouldn't say it, they wouldn't dare say it because it wasn't the popular thing to say. It wasn't the popular thing to say. They were afraid of suffering for the persecution of the cross of Christ. Now I can dare now I can say this. Now I understand none of us here today really know what it's like to suffer for Jesus. Amen. We, I know it's easy to, to stand in America in the pulpit right now and say, man, I'll suffer for Jesus and die if I have to. But listen, none of us has ever been in that situation. And it's a whole lot easier said than done. But there are people all across the world and, 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 and other, other places all across this world that they are literally suffering for the cause of Christ. Some of them dying right now for the cause of Christ. 
And the Apostle Paul, he was at that place. He was, you know, he was willing to, willing to suffer. He was willing to die. He was willing to do what needed to be done to tell people about Jesus. And there's people out here that are doing that. And he says, I'll tell you why they won't tell you. These Judaizers, he says, what, notice what he said there in verse 12. As many as desire to make a what? A fair show. They just want to make this grand show. They just want to pretend to be something uh, that they're not. They're, they're up there teaching. They're up there preaching, but they're not telling you the truth. They're just making this grand show of it all, this grand show of, uh, of the law, this grand show, how, uh, trying to teach on how, uh, uh, how great following the law is, how, how awesome that uh, following the, the, the Old Testament law is. I mean, comparing the Old Testament law to the New Testament of grace, I don't see where law has a comparison. Amen? How can you compare the law to grace that we have right now? But here they are wanting to make some grand show about all these things. How great the law is and, and all this stuff and how great they are. And No, I'll tell you what. The Apostle Paul, he just told him right there in verse 12. He says, I'll tell you why they do what they do. He says, they are, uh, they constrain you to be circumcised. They constrain you to follow them. They constrain you. Uh, to give in, uh, they can they uh, they constrain you to compromise. They constrain you to to follow them, to be blind to the truth. Because watch this now, only least they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They just don't want to suffer the persecution. They don't want to go through that. They don't want that to be a part of their life. And so he gets down to he gets down to verse thirteen, and he says. For neither they themselves, watch this now, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. These very same ones that are, uh, that, that are making this fair show about what they believe and making this fair show about themselves, these very ones that are, that are, that are preaching to you all these things and, and they're saying that you must do this and you have to do this. He says there in verse 12, he says they themselves who are circumcised, uh, that, uh, he says that they don't keep the law. They don't even do what they're telling you to do. And yet... You're willing to forsake eternity. You're willing to turn from the cross of Christ and you're willing to turn from all of this to follow, to follow a man, to, uh, to follow preachers, to follow these, guys, these Judaizers over here who are teaching you one thing and doing another. He says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They preach to you this is what you got to do. They preach to you this is how you got to live. They preach to you all these different things. He said, but neither they themselves do it. And listen, as Christians, we've got to make sure that we're not guilty of that too. Amen? Listen, I know we're not perfect. I get it. And we've said a million and two million times in this church, and I always say it. People always say, well, I don't go over here. I don't go to church because there's hypocrites in the church. But it don't keep you from the racetrack. And it don't keep you from going to Walmart. And it don't keep you from, it don't keep you from going out on the lake. It don't keep you from playing baseball. It don't keep you from any of these other things because the devil will give anybody an excuse not to be where he wants, where he's supposed to be. And so I'm just simply saying we understand that we're not perfect, but let's make sure that we don't live the same kind of life that these Judaizers did. And where the Apostle Paul said there in verse 13 about them, he says, neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. But let's think about this. Why couldn't they keep the law? Because it was too much. 
It was too hard. They couldn't keep it themselves. Some of them didn't want to keep it anyway. But they couldn't keep it themselves. But they could strain and desire for everybody else to be circumcised. He says, but desire to have you circumcised. For what purpose? For one, we've seen in the last verse, uh, there in verse 12... Uh, that because they don't want to suffer the persecution of Christ, it's not the popular thing to say. It's not the popular thing to do. And so uh, we're going to stay with what's working. We're going to stay with what everybody agrees with. We're not going to go against the grain. Uh, we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to do those things. Let me tell you something. You, when a church, the day when, when churches start becoming like that in this world, when churches come to this place where they, where, they, where, where they begin to avoid the truth of God, when churches get to a place when they turn from the truth of who Jesus is, when they begin to, uh, when they begin to compromise on the, on the doctrines of the Lord, and when they begin to compromise on, 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 on the things that Jesus has said and how the Bible says for us to live. We are making our turn in a terrible direction. And I believe we can look across the United States today and we can see denomination after denomination after denomination. And listen, I'm going to throw independent Baptists underneath that mess too. Listen, just because a church has a steeple on it don't mean it's a God-believing church. Don't mean that. Just because it has a steeple on it doesn't mean that it's a Bible-believing, Jesus-believing, blood-bought-believing church. It doesn't mean that. And so what we have to understand is that, listen, we want to make sure that as a church, as this church or any church, that we, that we don't say, you know what, well, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to, the, the popular thing is, well, you know, homosexuality is okay. So we're just going to say it's okay. And, and No, listen, it's not. We're going to say abortion's okay. No, listen, it's not. We're, I mean, we're going to say all these different things. We're going to say, oh, yeah, drinking's fine and, and smoking's fine and all these, that's all fine. No, it's not. We're going to say living, living uh, loose living and, and all these other things is fine and, and, and uh, fornication and all these things. Uh, before you, we're going to say just living together before. We're going to say all that's fine. No, it's not. I'm just telling you as a church, the church at some point has to take a stand on what the Bible says. And if we don't, then if we cease to be the light, where's people going to get it from? Where are they going to hear it? Where are they going to get it? If the church itself is too afraid to stand, if the church itself acts like these Judaizers and says, well, you know, we, we don't want to suffer persecution. Now, I'm not begging for it. I'm not asking for it tonight. I'm just saying that, listen, as a, as a people, as, as a church, and uh, not, not just as gospelite, but yes, gospelite, but as individuals, us as a, as a church, as people, as saved people, as Christians, Standing for the truths of God is something, that is, uh, is something that each and every single one of us have to do. And at some point, sometimes, we'll face some persecution for that. We will. But if, but if people don't hear the truth from the Word of God from us, where are they going to hear it from? And the Bible says, um, the Bible, and speaking of the Pharisees, says the blind lead the blind and they both fall into the ditch. And we can see right here in Galatians 6, there in that verse, in verse 13, he says, For neither they themselves are circumcised, keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. See, their whole desire was, uh, their whole desire was not necessarily that you knew what the truth was. They just wanted you to follow them, for one, for their own pride and all that. But they just wanted to, their whole thing was, you know, we, we, want, to, we want to see converts. They was more interested in winning converts and saying, listen, uh, this is how many people we had circumcised today. This is how many people followed us today. This is how many people turned away from this. And, and God, this is how many people listened and did what we told them to today. 
their, their whole desire was to turn people away from what uh, from the cross of Christ and just to bring them into this, uh, in, I guess, into this camp uh, where it's where they can, I guess, in essence, lord over that and say, yeah, this is what we, this is, these, these are the people that we've led to salvation today, led to, through works. Listen, I'd a whole lot rather one man. I'd a whole lot rather one man or girl. I'd a whole lot rather one person, one person, Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and believe it and know it and mean it and, and their names being written. I'd rather one person get saved than 25 people who have no idea whether they're saved or not. I'd hold out rather, I'd hold out rather finish off a revival meeting or a service or uh, whatever it is and one person know that one person genuinely got saved than 25 or 35 or even 50 people that have no idea whether or not they're on their way to heaven or not because they've been taught something crazy. Listen, I, I'd hold out rather, I want to see, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want false professions. I, I, don't want, I want people to believe in the Lord Jesus and we can show them that. Uh, and that is through, uh, of course, the Word of God. Now, verse 13, we see that they want to glory in their flesh. Their desire was to win converts. Their desire was um, uh, to be more or less a people pleaser, to be prideful. Verse 14, he says, But God forbid, watch you, but God forbid that I should glory. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the whole thing about the other, the whole thing about verse, uh, the whole thing about verse 13 was the fact that these men were all about themselves. Look what we did. Look what we've done. There in verse 13, for neither they themselves are consumed, at, but, uh, circumcised, uh, keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Their whole, their whole thing was for them to be lifted up in their pride about them, uh, about what they have now made you do in your flesh. Here it wasn't about what we make people do. Here it was about what Jesus has done. In verse 14, he says, God forbid that I should glory Listen, the Apostle Paul knew that he didn't do anything. The Apostle Paul knew that he didn't do anything. Who was it that done, who was it that done all the saving? Who was it, who's, the one that, uh, who's the one that changed everybody's changed people's lives? And who's the one that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that came down to this earth and, and died for the sins of the world and, and written our names down? The it was the Lord that done that. It wasn't us. There in verse 13, it's, it's about all the Judaizers saying, look what we've done. We had all these people circumcised and we did this, we did this work. Look what we done. The apostle Paul says, listen, I'm not glorying something that I did. I'm not glorying something that you did. But he says, God forbid that I should take pleasure in that. God forbid that I should take glory in that. He says, let me tell you what I do. He says, I take glory in what Jesus has done, not what I've done. I take glory in what the Lord's done, not what I've done, not in what, not in what you've done. He says, God forbid that I do that in verse 14. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the only thing for us to glory in. The completed, finished work of the Lord Jesus. Not in our works, not in our bodies, not in our flesh, not in you, not in her, not in them. But simply... In the cross, there in verse 14, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as the Apostle Paul finishes this up, he says, <laughs> he says, listen, he said, I tell you why they don't, I tell you why they don't want to preach the cross of Christ, because listen, they, they're too scared to suffer the persecution. They want to glory 
and what they've done that they desired for you to get circumcised and you did. They want to glory in what they've done. They consider you their converts. But in verse 14, Paul says, God forbid that I do that. He says, listen, I'm not doing nothing. You can say that you've uh, you done all these things. He said, but man, I, I didn't do nothing. He said, I just, I just glory in the cross of the Lord Jesus. He's the only one that can do anything. Lord Jesus, the only one that can change a man, save a man, and cleanse a man. Should I glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world? He says, you know what? He says, uh, he says the only one that changed, he says, let me tell you who changed me. Circumcision didn't change me. Circumcision didn't change me at all. He says, but you know who did? The Lord Jesus did. And the Lord Jesus is the only one that did. And because the Lord Jesus is the one that changed me and made me a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he has done that, he says there in verse 14, he says, by whom the world is crucified unto me. The, he says, listen, I, the world don't want nothing to do with me because I'm against the world. And I don't want nothing to do with the world because I'm against the world. Does that make sense? The world don't want nothing to do, listen, look at it like this. The world don't want nothing to do with God's people. The world don't want nothing to do with Christianity. The world don't want nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, they've been teaching us that for a long time. The world don't want nothing to do with God. It don't want nothing to do with the commandments of the Lord. It won't, don't, don't want anything to do with the Bible. It don't want anything to do with preaching and teaching about, about Christ. The world don't want no part of that. The Apostle Paul says there in the text, there in verse, there in verse 14, he says, uh, listen, uh, he says, I glory uh, in, uh, in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me. The world don't want nothing to do with me because the Lord Jesus lives inside of me. And because the Lord Jesus lives inside of me, that means I have a desire to live for him. And so the world is crucified to me. It don't want nothing to do with me. And I'm crucified to the world. I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> there in verse 15, he says, for in Christ Jesus Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, it don't matter, verse 15. It don't matter if your flesh has been circumcised or not. It doesn't mean anything. That's what he said there in verse 15. It doesn't matter if your flesh has been circumcised or not. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't avail anything. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Your works make no difference whatsoever. Uh, your rituals, make, none of that stuff matters. Listen, what is it that matters? There in verse 15, he summed it up there. Verse, listen, your works don't matter. Keeping the law don't matter. Getting circumcised, none of that stuff matters. He says, but a new creature. In other words, what matters is, is that you have become a new creation, a new creature in the Lord Jesus. That's what matters. That's the most important thing. That you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. That you put your faith and trust in the, in the Son of the God of, the, of all the universe. And when you put your faith and trust in Him and the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells within you, when you do that, that's what matters. When all your sin is forgiven because of the atonement of the blood on the cross, that's what matters. Not your works, not whether or not you're circumcised or not. 
But the fact that you are a new creature, that you are a new creation in the Lord. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, that's what happens. You become a new creature in the Lord Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 16, he says, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. I, I find it interesting that in verse 16 when he says, And as many walk according to this rule. In other words, it's like he's saying those who believe this. Those who believe that all you have to do is put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus to get saved. Those of you who believe that, uh, that, that trusting in Christ is all that you have to do accepting what He has done for us. Uh, for those of you that believe that, as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy. I tell you what, whenever you, <laughs> when you realize that, when you come to this place in life and you realize that there's that you don't have to try to continue to work to get to heaven. You can rest a little bit. Amen. I find great comfort and peace in knowing that I don't have to continually work every day to try to get to heaven. And there's a lot of people working every day, doing everything they can to try to get to heaven on their own merits. How exhausting that must be. I mean, we just think about living in grace. We've, we trust in Christ as our personal Savior. Just Christians living, living in the grace of the, and the love of the Lord and mercy and forgiveness of God. Just us Christians, it's every day. We wake up in the morning just trying to live in the grace of God. It's hard. That's hard battling ourselves and battling the devil and battling the world and battling all these things on our own. Less on me trying to keep up with my good works too. Man. But to those who walk after this rule, those who believe in Jesus, those who have taken it upon himself that they'll write that upon the table of their heart and say, yes, this is what I believe. Those are the ones. The Bible says in verse 16, peace be unto them and mercy upon the Israel of God. Verse 17, from henceforth, let no man trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Kind of goes back to what I said a little while ago. The Apostle Paul looking at the Judaizers and they're looking at him and talking about the cutting away of the flesh and the circumcision. And I imagine the Apostle Paul standing there as all the Judaizers are standing in front of him telling, telling him and everybody else how they need to be circumcised in order to get to heaven. And the Apostle Paul there preaching, preaching about the Lord Jesus and him in essence really looking at everybody and says, you want to talk about your circumcision? Look, look what's happened to me. You want to talk about someone who has suffered for the Lord? Not that Paul was, not that Paul was uh, prideful about his suffering in the Lord, but I think he was just trying to get them and everybody else to see. Listen, you think you have suffered for the Lord Jesus? Look what's happened to me. Look what's happened to me. Was he complaining? By no means. He was ready to go. If He was ready to do whatever it is that God called him to do. But I think he was just trying to get them to see. When he says there in verse, verse 17, don't trouble me. Don't trouble me about you telling me about anything that you suffered for the cause of Christ. Because this has happened to me and this has happened to me and this has happened to me. He says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I have the marks. I have the scars. You can look at me and see I've been, I've been beat. I've been marred. I've been scarred. I've been, I've been tore up. And I've done it because I love the Lord. 
So don't you trouble me and don't you tell me that you've suffered for the Lord. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Verse 18, brethren, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this book of Galatians. Lord, what a, what a way for Paul to end the letter. And God, I pray tonight that as uh, you speak to all of our hearts, Lord, that you'd help us to see this evening that, that we can fully trust in you and not in our own works and not in uh, not any good deeds that we can think of or do on our own. And Lord, I pray that you'd help every single one of us, uh, Lord, tonight to do what we can to be that, that good witness for other folks, to help to lead them in the right direction. And uh, Lord, just to be a people that is uh, ready to give an answer to every man that asketh us of the hope that is within us. And uh, Lord, a people that is able to uh, just shed light, uh, shed light on, uh, on people's questions and, uh, and, and things that they may be seeking in life and about you. And Lord, I pray that you just help us, God, to, uh, to uh, make that investment. God, you've invested in us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take that and invest it in others. And uh, Lord, help us to get out the truth. Help us, God, to uh, never uh, to never be weary in our well-doing and, uh, Lord, not to be compromising in our faith and, and, and our belief in your word. And Lord, I pray that you keep all of us strong. And, uh, Lord, help us all, God, to, uh, to move forward always in the cause of Christ. Lord, I pray you bless our night tonight. Help us as we get ready for the book of Ephesians, what an exciting book it is. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you just bless our night tonight, keep us safe, bring us back. Our next appointed time on Sunday and all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.